Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes. That's not a whole lot of time, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important for the strength and development and growth of our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We encourage you to help people in your life grow in their faith, come closer to God, start to focus on a focus upon their spiritual lives, and maybe even help them get to heaven by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody enjoy eternity in heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, or as some people, you know, they understand it, the unforgivable sin. As I've said, in my many years of ministry, I have run into a few people who have believed either that they had committed an unforgivable sin, or that they may have committed an unforgivable sin, or maybe they had just been so sinful, so wicked, for so long a period of time and so consistently that God, in their mind, God would not forgive them. Well, what we're looking at here is first asking the question, is there such a thing as a sin that is absolutely unforgivable, that once a person commits that particular sin, and Jesus identifies it in, in various ways in the various texts from Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 12, as, as either blaspheming against the Holy Spirit or the, the eternal sin, and, and uh, see how else does he put it here? sin against the Holy Spirit, uh, again, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin or shall, you know, the eternal sin. So in these various ways, he describes it. He's talking about the same thing now in these three texts because they're parallel texts to Scripture. It's talking about the same situation. It's just from the different writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they give different details, each one of them. So, is there a sin? Is Jesus saying there's a particular sin? You might be 20 years old, you might be 30 years old, and you commit that particular sin. And from that point, you are absolutely eternally doomed. God is telling you, you're going to hell. No matter how long you live upon this earth, no matter how many good deeds you try to do, no matter how obediently you try to be, no matter how faithfully you try to attend church services, worship God, try to glorify me, you're going to hell when you die because you committed that one sin. Now, does that make sense from the perspective of a God that is portrayed before us as being loving and merciful and wanting us to be with him for all of eternity? Now, he's also portrayed as a God of judgment and wrath, but first, you know, first he wants us to be with him for all of eternity in heaven. Now, does that, does that make sense from the character of God that is portrayed for us in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, that he would say, no, no chance for you. You committed that one sin. Now, I know it was a weak moment in your, in, in your life, but you committed it and you're doomed. You're going to hell. You may live for 30 or 40 or 50 more years, but you're, you're going to hell when you die 
because you committed a sin that I will not forgive. Is that how we're to understand what Jesus said there? I don't believe it is. And so we talked about how, and Jesus even said, you can, you can blaspheme me and still be forgiven. So what, what would he mean when he said, but if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness. It's unpardonable. It's an eternal sin. So we began to look at how does God, how did God give us his word? Well, he guided particular writers whom he chose to write down the various books of the Old Testament. And in some cases, different parts of the same book. Now, again, the Apostle Paul helps us understand that when we're reading Scripture, we're reading God's very word, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. So how could those writers make sure that they wrote down God's very word? They were guided by the Holy Spirit to do so. So they would write God's very word. We looked at that in 2 Peter chapter 1 and the closing verses of that chapter. They, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of private interpretation, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit guided the writing of God's Word being penned by human writers so that they would be sure to write God's very Word so they'd get it correct. So the old story... A man's living someplace, and, and there is a monumental, a monumental rain, a monumental system, and flooding all around him. The floodwaters are rising. They're coming into his house. So he ultimately climbs up on the roof because the waters keep coming up the side of his house, getting higher and higher. means water all around him. And so... Before it gets too high, somebody comes through in a rescue vehicle. Come on, get on, get on. We can still get out of here. He says, nope, nope, the Lord's going to take care of me. And so the rescue vehicle moves on. Then somebody comes by in a boat because now no vehicles can ride down the streets in front of his house. And the, and the boat says, come on, climb on down, get in. We can get away. Nope, nope, the Lord's going to take care of me. And then finally, the water is up to the rooftop. It's only a few feet from his feet. He's standing on the pinnacle of the roof, and a helicopter comes over and drops down a rescue line and says, grab on, take you to safety. Nope, the Lord is going to take care of me. And then ultimately, you know the rest of the story, don't you? The waters get high enough, he drowns. Well, as he comes to eternity... He asked God, why didn't you save me? And God said, what did you want me to do? I sent a rescue vehicle. You wouldn't get on. I sent you a boat. You wouldn't get in. I dropped you a line from a helicopter. You wouldn't grab on. What more do you want me to do? Well, so God gave us his word in the Old Testament scriptures. Mankind rejected that. He sent his son. They crucified him. And he had his church established and his word written down in New Testament scriptures 
giving us his guidance for us to be forgiven and saved and have eternal life. When you reject his word, when you reject the scriptures, the New Testament Christianity, you rejected the last hope that you have. So one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit cannot be saved as long as he continues to reject the Spirit's guidance through the Scriptures. So long as he remains a blasphemer of the Holy Spirit, there's no hope of his salvation. If the Holy Spirit is rejected, there, there's, there's no other heavenly means of grace, mercy, hope, forgiveness, salvation. And rejecting the Scriptures and saying, I don't believe in those Scriptures, I don't believe the Bible, you've, you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit because the scriptures were written by God's guidance through the Holy Spirit, guiding the men who wrote it to write God's very word. So there's no hope beyond that last hope. The sin under consideration was not a mere impulsive exclamation of denigrating the Holy Spirit and somehow cursing the Holy Spirit. That, that's not what was, what was under consideration here, I don't believe. Blasphemous words utterly and rashly uttered, once they leave the lips, do they condemn a person forever or can that person be forgiven? The Pharisees had accused Christ of being in league with Beelzebub, the prince of devils, and by that allegiance casting out devils from men. Christ saw this as blasphemy against himself. It was rejection of him as the Savior, as God's Son and our Lord. It was attributing to Christ a hellish purpose against the clearest evidence to the contrary. He was, he was performing miracles. He was healing folk. But though he, Christ, had done so many signs before them, yet they did not believe in him. Then, after citing Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah 53 and verse 1, of Israel's unbelief relative to, the, to its Messiah, the apostle continued, for this cause they could not believe. Now, Isaiah then was referenced again in chapter 6 and verse 10 to the effect that the sin underlying their unbelief was hardness of heart. John chapter 12, verses 37 through 41. Now, apply this principle. A person becomes so hard-hearted that they say, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe that to be God's word. Now, again, where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So if they reject the Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures, New Testament Christianity, they've rejected their last hope for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. They've turned away. It's like that final helicopter dropping the line to the man who's about to drown on the top of his roof. He rejects the line. They've rejected the last hope that God gives them. They might even have taken part in crucifying the Savior if they were living back during that time.
But in Acts chapter 2, they could have repented and been baptized into Christ, and their sins would have been forgiven. But if they don't believe the Scriptures teaching how they can be baptized into Christ and be forgiven, they've rejected their last hope. And there is no other way for forgiveness. No other way for forgiveness. And in that way, they have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit because the Spirit guided the writers to write God's very word. We'll go a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are all-powerful, and you are gracious and kind and merciful, and you love us, and you want us to be with you in heaven for eternity. Help us to open our eyes and see that we can look forward to that with absolute expectation if we will come to you your way, that you have had written down for us in the scriptures, your word. Please help us to see this. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.